Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm the teaching pastor here. We're continuing our, our series, One Word Prayers. And today, the, the prayer is simply, why? Uh, the truth is, there are going to be moments in your life, if they haven't happened already, where things around you seem to just be spiraling out of control, and you're left with one question, why? Why is this happening? Why did this happen to me? Why am I here? It was a very vivid night uh, just over two years ago at this point, March 11th of 2020, when I was putting uh, my not even two-year-old daughter, Emery, to bed uh, for the night at that time. And I got a push notification that said NBA to postpone regular season. And I thought, what is happening? Why, why are they doing that? And so I went to uh, Twitter, which is not exactly a wellspring of happiness and hope, uh, but I went there to try to figure out what was going on, and I started scrolling through, and I saw all of this news of, of closure after closure because of the start in the United States of the COVID-19 pandemic. And to this point, that has been more than half of my daughter's life. She's about to turn four in May, and that has been her sense of normal, but it's felt like anything but for us as the avalanches of closures and new news and breaking news and updates and all of these things, and here are the rules and here are not the rules anymore, and all of that has caused a sense of we don't really have a sense of normal anymore. In fact, over the, follow- the weeks that followed March 11th of 2020, the search phrase on Google, when will things get back to normal, went up 4,250% because we were grasping at straws collectively and collectively our sense, our baseline sense of foundation of order in the world has been rocked and that is the backdrop against which we walk into a, a message of this one word prayer, Why? And things have not exactly gotten completely better since then, as there have been um, other things that have happened currently. Geopolitical crisis racks our world at the moment, and we watch the news wondering how this too will affect us. And we can be like we're on this slide down, this carousel of a madhouse that we don't want to be on, and we have no sense of control anymore, and we're just wondering, why? Why are we here? What's happening And look, it doesn't have to be global news or local news or anything. It can be any phone call, any meeting with your boss, any time a doctor walks into the room and delivers that diagnosis that you don't want, that your anxiety can spike and your sense of normal gets shaken to its core and you're left wondering why. So in seasons of great uncertainty, it's hard to get peace. And you can just go searching on what feels like this downward spiral into darker and darker and more and more chaos. But what do we do after those moments? What do we do when we're left just wondering? What do we do when we're left unsure of why we're here in this moment and and what happens next? It's in those times you ask this question, and sometimes it's a pleading question to God, God, why? There's nothing shameful about feeling anxiety and wondering all these things, but we worship a God of redemption. And that means that anything and everything that comes our way can be remade more and more into the image of God every day. If we cling to Scripture and we cling to biblical community, we can be drawn through these things. And I want to say just as a disclaimer at the start here, 
I'm not saying any of these things to trivialize or minimize any of the pain that might happen in our lives when we experience this question. I'm not saying that these things are but a stepping stone to the redemptive plan that God has for you, but I am saying that no matter what happens to you, God has promised, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He's also promised that because we live in a broken world, because this world is the way that it is, you will have trouble, but I will be with you always, and I've overcome the world. Take heart, John, John 16.33 says, because in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And it's this promise that we have no matter what. I'm not saying that God throws difficulty onto your life to test you, punish you, smite you, make you realize that he's more powerful than you, any of these things. But what I am saying is that when uncertainty comes your way or you make a bad decision and you're looking in the mirror at the reason that you're in the consequences you're in is looking you back, that in those moments, God still promises, I'm with you and together we're going to walk through this. Whether it's by cause of a bad decision, by cause of a broken and sinful world, or by cause of happenstance that you're just walking alongside, there will be moments in your life that feel dark and chaotic and leave you wondering why. And everything that I'm going to say to follow does not minimize any of those realities. Any of the times you lost a loved one, got that diagnosis, lost the job that you thought was going to be your forever career, lost a, a child, any of those things, you're a victim of whatever, those things are significant. But we have a promise in those moments that God is with us and he wants to walk with us as we walk through that. An incarnational God who promises to be near in times of difficulty. And so all that to get us to a point where we can walk forward and look at the biblical perspective on what happens in difficult moments and hold on to some verses and some resources that can help see us through when life does feel dark or chaotic. Will you pray with me as we, as we start? God, we're thankful for your word. We pray that we would hold on to it no matter what. We pray that in times of great uncertainty that you would see us through, that we would recognize your presence, that we would see, hear, and feel you all around us, whether it's in the community of believers or it's found in the life-filled words of Scripture that we would recognize no matter how dark our night gets, that morning is coming and a day is breaking and that we can get through even this. Even if we have to wait for eternity, for restoration and resolution, we're clinging to your promise, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So here's the first sort of... Uh, <clears throat> perspective that we can hold on to from scripture uh, and it's that difficult times grow our faith and don't don't hear something that i'm not saying i'm not saying that god like i said thrusts difficult times on you to grow your faith what i am saying is that when difficult times come your way it can be an opportunity to grow the size and stature and capacity of your faith 
because difficult things will happen. You will make a wrong decision that leads to a tough consequence that you have to walk through. You might be the victim of circumstance. You might get a diagnosis that you didn't expect to get, and there's going to be difficulty. That is just a fact that maybe you don't want me to say. Maybe you're hoping that you came to church today to hear somebody say, you'll never have a tough time. Everything's going to be good. If you just check these four boxes, all is good in life, and you'll be happy and healthy the rest of your life. That's not the reality. Difficult times will come your way, and they can grow your faith if you hold on to and look at God through those situations. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this, and not only that, but we boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. That, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. We boast in our afflictions because we have hope beyond our circumstances. We have a target that we're aiming at that is eternal and unshakable. And so no matter what happens on this side of eternity, we know that we're going through this life anyway, and we're living in an eternal and unshakable kingdom. And so we'll boast in whatever comes our way because we have a God who wants to walk with us that is greater than any circumstance that might overtake us. We can boast. James says it this way in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And so those of us that have put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, this is a promise that goes beyond salvation. It's a promise of redemption, a promise of restoration, a promise of refinement. As you continue to walk through life, no matter what circumstance comes your way, and you keep your eyes fixed on a Savior, the author and the perfecter of our faith, no matter what happens, I'm not saying that to make those things seem small, but no matter what happens, you serve and worship a God that is bigger than anything that could happen to you. And so all of these things, as you continue to walk through the chaos and through the difficulty, God can work in you and be with you and bring you comfort and peace in the midst of the most difficult circumstances in life. Here's a, a painful reality. The old saying that God won't give you more than you can handle is not really completely true. There are plenty of moments in your life that will be more than you can handle. But there is nothing that God can't handle, and he promises to be with us. And so don't get discouraged when life feels overwhelming. It happens. But when you do feel overwhelmed, remember the power of the one at work within you. Because there's nothing that will be given to you that God cannot handle. Here's the other part of this. Belief, faith, isn't simply yes or no. 
for a long time in my life, I believed that belief was binary, that it was like, yes, I believe this to be true, or no, I don't believe this to be true. And as I've grown up, I realized that it's more of something that has capacity, that it's something that needs to be worked on, that it can grow if you nurture and help that mature. Faith like a mustard seed doesn't mean that faith is supposed to remain the size of a mustard seed. You plant a mustard seed, you nurture it, it grows into something that is exponentially larger than what you started off with. If you tried to cross the ocean on a jet ski, you'd quickly realize at the very first storm that you need a bigger boat. But sometimes with our faith, when we begin, it's, begin to think it's impossible to cross this ocean or storm or whatever comes our way, we fail to realize that it's just God giving us an opportunity to build a bigger boat. Or it is an opportunity that God is with us and he's like, let's, let's, big you, let's build you a bigger ship so you can get through even this, and we can go even further. There's a story in Mark where a father brings his son to Jesus um, because for his whole life he's been afflicted by a demon, and his dad wants it to stop. And this is what Mark says in chapter 9, verse 21 through 24. He says this, Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? From childhood, the father said, and many times it's thrown him into fire, or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, everything's possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief. When, when I first read that story years and years ago, I did not like that sentence because I didn't understand. And as I've grown up, I realized that that father in the moment when he's worried about his son is straddling the capacity of his faith. He is right up against it where he knows that God can save his son but he also wonders if his son will be saved. And he is right there with one foot on one side of belief and one foot falling out the other side. And he's like, I do believe, but help me have more capacity. Help my faith grow in this moment because I don't know for sure if I really have all of it right now. I need more faith. I do believe, but help me in the place, in my heart, and in my life, and in my perspective where I have unbelief because I need a little bit more and I need you to be faithful to bring that to me. And here's the other part of it. Like I said, difficult times will come our way. No matter what overcomes us, we have hope as an anchor for our soul no matter the circumstance or storm. We have hope as an anchor no matter the circumstance. Hebrews 6.19 says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. The reality is that the hope that we have is the power of God at work in our lives. And the cross stands in history at the darkest moment in history when the Son of God became man and lived a life on earth and then was put to death by man. That cross reminds us that no matter how dark life or history seems in a moment, that that moment will be overcome by the work and the power of Jesus. And that is the anchor that we can wrap our lives around. 
that even Jesus seemed overwhelmed in a moment, but we know the rest of the story. He came out of the grave. He put death to death. And so we can look back on that moment when everything seemed lost and bleak and dark, and we can know for sure that no matter how dark or bleak or chaotic or uncertain our lives seem, that that moment, because of who Jesus is, is an anchor for our soul, the work of God in our lives. There's a story of an apostle of Jesus's. We see in the Gospels, and his name is Thomas. He has been labeled by history as doubting Thomas because he had a moment where what he believed met its capacity. And we don't have a whole lot to build the character of Thomas from the New Testament, but we do have three separate times where he talks. And the first one is this in John eleven sixteen. It says, so Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go that we may die with him. And if you understand the context and you look at the rest of the story that surrounds that, you know that it wasn't a cheap platitude for Thomas to say, let us go with him that we might die also. They were going to a place where people wanted to stone Jesus and put him to death and put to death anybody that was with Jesus because he was causing such an uproar. And Thomas, not knowing what the future held, said, I'm going with Jesus no matter what. Even if it means my death, I'm going with him. And so we don't see in that moment a lot of quivering, a lot of equivocation, anything like that that makes us seem like Thomas doesn't have the courage of his convictions. He is clear-eyed on what following Jesus might look like for him. Let's go, even if it means our death. I'm ready for this because I trust you, Jesus. And so where you're going, I'm going. And we see the same idea again in another speaking part. John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus is talking and he says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, and I'll take you myself, that you, may all, that, you that where I am, you may also be, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas responds in John 14, 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we go with you? Which implies that he really wants to go with Jesus. But he's like, maybe, maybe, you, didn't, maybe you forgot. You didn't tell us the destination. You didn't share the Google Maps pen with us. Like, we'll put in the directions ourselves. We, we're with you. But uh, you need to give us a clue here. Again, the idea that you can build just on these two is that Thomas is ready to follow. Anywhere that Jesus goes, Thomas wants to go also. But then something happens. <clears throat> Jesus dies. I mean, he's put to death in a moment that would have shocked his apostles. It would have stunned everybody that was following him in that moment. It sent those believers scattering with doubt and trouble, and pain. They lost their friend. They lost their rabbi. They lost their, their leader. They lost the one that they thought was going to save the world, and life seemed dark. And if Thomas had Google, he probably would have said, when will things get back to normal? Why, God, is this happening? I put all of my faith in this Jesus. 
But then Thomas gets news. And his friends come back and they say, Thomas, Jesus is alive. It's unbelievable. The tomb was empty. You would not even believe the fact that death was overcome and Jesus is risen. And Thomas says, you have to prove it. Don't do this to me. My heart can't take it. Unless I see the scars, I'm not believing it. Because my life was too flipped upside down for me to put my faith in something that just might be a lie or you might be exaggerating or you might believe that you think you saw something, but it couldn't have been that because I watched Jesus die. So until I see proof, I am not going to follow that Jesus. And we find ourselves in those situations too because you might be saying, okay, preacher, it's good for you to say that we have hope for the anchor of our soul, but you haven't seen my life. You don't know the circumstances that have overtaken my life. You weren't there when the doctor gave us that diagnosis. You weren't in the hospice with us, with our child. You weren't doing all of those things. You weren't there with me when I got the job notification. Why would God do this to me? And so you're going to have to prove to me because life has closed in the size of your faith and made you believe that the darkness in this world can overcome a God that is eternally hopeful and helpful. And I get it, because life feels too much sometimes. And you need a little something to jumpstart your heart back to life. Thomas got his question answered. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 helps us to realize that God welcomes questions. It says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Don't let doubt, don't let life circumstance close the door on your inquiry into the nature and goodness and eternal hope of God. Let it be a catalyst for growing your faith. Because Thomas asked the questions. Unless I see. So then we see this story in John 20. Verses 26 through 29 say this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen but have believed. And there's so much to love about the story. I mean, the locked door with the surprise Jesus entry where he's like, what's up, guys? Locked doors don't cage me, whatever. And then he goes up to Thomas And the very thing that Thomas asked for to resolve his doubt, to to grow the capacity of his faith, Jesus walked up to grace upon grace, and he said, look here at my hand. No, look, you can see it's it's not a fake scar. It's the real scar. I'm really him. I'm really the one that died and came back to life. And Thomas realizes, Jesus, my Lord, my God, 
And it depends on how you translate verse 29. Scholars disagree a little bit about the, the tone and what Jesus was doing here. It can be seen and has often been seen as Jesus scalding Thomas for not believing. Have you believed just because you've seen me, basically? Blessed are those who don't need what you need. You should have believed anyways. One way that you can read that. Another way that you can read that is by reading it as a setting up of contrast for the future believers. Have you believed just because you've seen me? Blessed are those that will believe even though they're not going to have a chance to see me. They will not have seen me. And he gives us this encouragement that there will be moments of doubt and your belief will be tested but grow your faith. Let it be when difficulty comes your way that you cling to the truth, the reality that God is with us. Let it be that the hope of eternity pulls us forward through even the most darkest times in our life. And let it be that you feel God very near to you even in the most difficult times of life. And so the question becomes how? How do I feel God near to me? How do I feel this God who's not going to come into my locked room and show me the scars? I think there's a couple things. One is you go to Scripture. You know Scripture. You read the story. You hear the encouragement. You go to this place where life is found. The Word appeared to Thomas. Jesus being the Word appeared to Thomas, and it encourages us to go to the Word in times of doubt to know that. And the other is community. It's to be in relationship with people that know Scripture and can be your sounding board in times of doubt, that can point you to the truth of Scripture, that you can say out loud the things that you're feeling are hard to believe in a moment and get them out of your head and into somebody that can pray with you about them, that can talk with you about them, that can just be there with you so you know that you're not alone in a moment. I had somebody come up to me after last service and they told me that this was a tough message to listen to today because their child is currently in hospice. And I didn't have any words. I, but I said, I'll, I'm here with you, and I know that that might not feel like enough, but just know it's what I have to be with you, to be praying for you, to be a sounding board. That's what I have. I don't have any answers as to why. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but know that you're not alone. And I think that that's what we get the opportunity to be when we encounter somebody that's struggling deeply with doubt or with life circumstance. We get to be the incarnation of faith when their life is shaken. We get to be the one that, that shows up and says, I don't have answers, but I can be here to remind you that eternity isn't going to be like this. There's not going to be any diagnosis in heaven that shakes us to our core. There's just going to be redemption, restoration, health, peace, hope, and love and joy. 
And so I'm with you because Jesus is with you, and together we'll walk through this dark night of your soul. Until you can see the light of day again, I'm here. We need each other because our faith doesn't have capacity enough sometimes, and we need somebody else to bring a boat along because we're in the middle of the ocean on a jet ski, and we just need a life preserver. And we also need to be willing to say, God, help me, because I'm drowning in an ocean of doubt. Send a lifeboat. We need each other. Because there are going to be moments in your life when it's too much, and you don't know why. And chaos is all that seems to surround you, and difficulty prevails and you don't know why you are where you are. And if that's not you right now, you're in the ocean on a life-saving mission to bring faith to those who don't have enough. And we can look back in history at a cross that reminds us we worship a God that shows up in the darkest moments, that welcomed the darkest moments to prove to us that he'd be with us always. And he would overcome anything that life has to, to throw your way, including death itself. And so every week we take bread, which represents his body broken for us, given for us, his body that he gave up for us. We remember that life eternal is possible because of the one who gave it all. We take juice, which represents the bloodshed that we might have life. That life and hope and eternity is possible through any storm that comes our way. God, help us to remember the cost of our sins that were heaped on you, the price of our salvation, the price of the promise of eternity. And God, help us to set before us the goals of your kingdom, which are eternal. And they're so much bigger than even the biggest things that would come our way. God, in this life we'll have trouble, but help us to believe, really believe that you've overcome all of that trouble. God, we, we know that you're with us, but help us when we doubt that a little bit. Help our unbelief to know, to really know that you're with us always even to the end of the age. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. A while back we put boards on the wall so we could pray with each other because we don't have to go through this life alone anymore. And it's been amazing to see the things that have been put on the boards and to be able to pray for those. And and every week we spend time as a staff and you're encouraged to spend time as you come and go to look at the boards and pray for each other. But to know the depth of the things that have been put on those boards and be able to pray together, even if it's anonymous. So if you need prayer for something, we'd love to pray with you. You can put them on the boards, or if you're joining us online, you can send us a message, and we'd love to be praying with you. But there's another addition to the room today, and it's the rest of the Bibles that we're going to give away. And if you have a verse that met you in a time of uncertainty or darkness that provided a little bit of light for your soul, would you write a note in that Bible and direct people to those verses? Because those are going to go to people who might not know about who Jesus is and the hope that he has to offer. And you could write a life-saving note of hope that's going to be given to somebody. Go and share the verse that saved your soul that provided that heartbeat potentially for the first time. And while all that's happening, we're going to be singing and worship. So you're invited to stand and worship with us and go and pray at a board or for something on the board. Go look at what's on there already and pray for people. Or go and write a note in the Bible. Because community and God's word can pull us through even the most difficult times because God has set before us through Jesus hope and eternity if we could just keep going in those moments when life seems so hard. So let's pray for each other, let's worship, and let's live on mission in in this moment.